Thank you, Taylor. That was a blessing. Wasn't that a great song? Beautiful. Beautiful song. That's one of my favorite verses of the scripture. It says, be still and know that I am God. That kind of like solves all our problems, right? All our troubles, all our burdens. We just be still and know that he's God. He's going to take care of it. He knows about it. He's going to take care of it. We can rest in that. We're thankful for it. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we thank you for Taylor. We thank you for the beautiful song. We thank you for your word that encourages us. We pray as we look into your word today that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher, that we will have eyes to see what you'd have us to see, ears to hear what you'd have us to hear, that your voice, would not my voice, would be heard, Lord, and that the word would be powerful and would touch our lives and change our hearts and help us to be more fit to be in your service, Lord. And so we just pray that you will hide me behind the cross and just pray that you would be glorified, Lord. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's wonderful what Byron shared at the breaking of bread today. D-Day was on Friday the 6th. And I always remember it that way. 6-6, June 6th was D-Day. And a lot of men lost their lives. Not just Americans, but their there were so many that were fighting against the Nazis. There were French and, and American and Australian and Canadians and all different people. Well, the British had it pretty rough because the Nazis had, had attacked them and bombed them relentlessly. And Winston Churchill was the leader at that time over all England. And he was very burdened by the number of people that were killed in the war effort. He was very concerned about it. And one day during World War II, he visited a coal mine, a coal facility where they were producing coal for the war effort. And at the end, he took a picture with the men and he encouraged them. And he said, you know, after the war is over, there's going to be a parade at Piccadilly Circus and we're going to be celebrating victory. And he said, first of all, there's going to be soldiers there who kept the war effort going and gave their life and gave themselves out there and they fought. There's going to be sailors there that kept the sea lanes open. And there's going to be those who were there who fought Rommel in Africa and prevented him from coming. And there's going to be pilots there that fought the German Luftwaffe and protected the sky. But he said, last of all, there's going to be a group of men there. And there's going to be a long, sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miners' caps. And someone from the crowd is going to say, what did you do during the critical war effort? And then 10,000 throats are going to reply with the answer, we were deep inside the earth with our faces to the coal. Yes, not every job, not every ministry is out in the forefront. Some are behind the scenes. And I was saying to myself and to the Lord, I want to be one that has my face to the coal. I want to do the work of the Lord in the nitty gritty daily things that need to be done that nobody knows about, that only it's between me and the Lord and between you and the Lord and what we do for him. He will reward us for it because the service of the Lord is the most important thing that we can do. It's the greatest activity, it's the greatest achievement, the greatest accomplishment we can have in our lives is to serve the Lord. Because there's benefits for it both here on earth and even greater ones in heaven. And I can't wait to get there when the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. 
We're going to fall down before the Lord and we're going to say, thank you, Lord. I couldn't have done it without you. And truly, we can't. He gives us the strength. He gives us the wisdom. He gives us the ability to serve him. And then after providing all of that and doing the work through us, we're his vessel. Then he says, I'm going to reward you for it. And so serving the Lord is so very, very critical and very important today. The Lord Jesus said these words in John chapter 12 and verse 26 that we're going to see up on the screen when he was speaking to his disciples on his way to the cross, almost there. He said to them, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. You know, it's a privilege to serve the Lord. Have you ever heard the commercial by First Republic Bank? You may have heard it on the radio, maybe on TV. Their slogan is really great, and I love it every time. It's, uh, their slogan is, it's a pleasure to serve you. It's a pleasure to serve you. That's the bank slogan. There's a lot of slogans out there. But every time I hear it, I think, Lord, it's a pleasure to serve you. It's a pleasure. It's a privilege. It's an honor for us as individual believers to serve the Lord. He could have said, well, we're going to send the angels down to earth and they're going to do the service and they're going to preach the gospel and they're going to win the souls to Christ and they're going to conduct the churches and all that. No. He says, I'm going to use people saved by grace. Those who've come to know Christ and really appreciate what I've done for them and I'm going to send them out to tell the message. And that's what it means to serve the Lord. It goes out into the world to serve him because he deserves it. We have the talent. We have the gifts. We have everything we need. We just need the will to do it. We need the desire to do it to serve the Lord. The title of our message today is simply serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, I get encouraged when I read in the books of First Kings and 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, we read about the tribe of Levi. tribe of Levi was a wonderful tribe because from the tribe of Levi came what we call the Levites and we also have the priests. They were both from the tribe of Levi. So every person, every Levite was one who would serve in the tabernacle and serve in the temple. And they did the daily responsibilities of keeping the ministry going. The priests got more of the recognition, the outward things. They were the ones that did the, those kind of teachings and carried on the sacrifices and so forth. But the Levites were very, very important. And when you see the choir members up here, we've got about 38 now, maybe something like that. I always think of the Levites because the Levites were also the singers. They sang and they praised the Lord in song. And Asaph was their leader. And so they would praise God in song. And so these, these Levites, they were the workers. They worked hard for the Lord. And in the New Testament, we see that it started with the apostles and then it went out into all the world, sharing the gospel of Christ and how to be saved and then teaching and building up and equipping the saints. There's a lot to do to serve the Lord. And we have to be ready to do it. We have to be willing to do it and we have to be able to do it. And the Lord says, I'm going to commission you to be my servants. And may the Lord encourage us today because a servant has to have three traits, at least there's more, but three major traits. A servant of the Lord needs to be committed. A servant of the Lord needs to be faithful and a servant of the Lord needs to be obedient. 
If you have these qualities, you can serve the Lord. Now, there's other things you need too. You need a knowledge of the word and you need to pray and you need to do a lot of things. But if you have these qualities, you can serve the Lord. I like the definition I found of servant in the Webster's New World Dictionary. It says a servant is a person who is devoted to another or to a cause or a creed. And isn't that true of our Christian faith? We're dedicated to a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're dedicated to a cause to preach the gospel and to serve the Lord. And we're dedicated to a creed of loving the Lord and following him all the days of our lives. Well, let's look at the first thing this morning. We have to be committed. We have to be committed to the Lord. Not long ago, I believe it was Randy that was speaking on uh, and mentioned Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he was a committed believer. He was a committed servant. And for years, he served under Moses and learned from Moses. And he took the place of a servant and he sat and he listened and he learned. And the time came for Moses to go home to be with the Lord. Guess what? Joshua was put in charge of that. How would you like to follow Moses as the leader? The greatest leader of the whole world is Moses. And now Joshua comes and he follows. And you know what he did? He took up the mantle and he served the Lord and he led the armies of Israel. They won the victory. They went into the promised land. They conquered it and they took possession of it. And at the end of Joshua's life, he's addressing the people and he says these beautiful words in Joshua 24 and verse 15, where it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't that great? And I love to see it on the door. I just recently got one of these and I ordered it from CBD. I love CBD. You can get great things and prices. I don't work for them, but... If I did, <clears throat> Bibles and books, everything. But I saw on there a beautiful wood plaque and it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I was so excited. I got it out. I said, now, how am I going to put this up right? But I did and I put it right above the door and it looks perfect. It just fits curvature right over the door. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And I thought, Lord, I'm just one person in this house. Well, if you're one person, serve the Lord. If you're married and you have a wife, a husband and wife, the two of you, serve the Lord. If there's three of you or four and you have kids, serve the Lord. I love seeing you graduates there today because you have your whole lives ahead of you. Until the Lord comes or raptures us or takes us home, you have your life to serve the Lord. Start now. It's not speaking behind the pulpit. That's not the key. It's serving the Lord. And it's so neat to see the kids vacuuming and see them clean the bathrooms and see them do all these things around the church. And I'm thinking, this is great. This is great. Because whatever we do for the Lord, if we do it in his name and we do it from our heart, we can be a blessing and we can serve him and we can show our love to him. Someone once said, a believer's talents are not to be laid up for self, but laid out in service. And it's really true. Because the Lord Jesus said, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. If we're going to serve the Lord, we have to follow him every day. And we have to obey him every day. 
Someone turned around the, the words a little bit from count your blessings. And I thought this was very clever. And it says, count your obligations, name them one by one. Count your obligations and it will surprise you what the Lord wants done. And I thought that's really good. There's a lot to do for the Lord. There really is. And so many people nowadays, they say, let somebody else do it. I got a lot of things to do. I'm very busy. Let the pastor do it. Let the elders, let the deacons do it. Let those who, who always do it, let them do it. The Lord says, you do it. I like the time when the uh, disciples were with the Lord and he was going to feed the 5,000, right? And he asked them, have the people stay and let's have, have lunch for them. Let's provide for them. They said, where are we going to get all this food? Even if we were to go and buy all the food we can, we can't serve all these people. Where are we going to get it? Send them away. Let them get their own. And the Lord says, you give them something to eat. And that's when they brought that little lunch that that little boy had brought, some fish and loaves. And they said, all we got is this, Jesus. That's all we have. It's not very much. How's it going to feed 5,000 more and more? Because it was 5,000 men. It was more with women and kids. The little boy gave his lunch and the Lord had them sit down on the green grass and he prayed and gave thanks and he blessed it and he fed all that multitude. And they had leftovers. Hey, come on over. We got some leftovers tonight. You know, if Jesus has the best meal, he's going to have the best leftovers too. And so there was a great blessing that day around the Lord Jesus. But you know, it's, it's, a, it's a desire we have to serve the Lord and we shouldn't let things distract us and keep us from serving him. I'm too busy. I have too many things going on. No. Is there anything more important than serving the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross, who shed his blood? Is work that important? Is our ho hobbies that much more important? TV or other entertainment shouldn't be. Our desire and our focus and our goal should be on serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the ministry he's given us. Just recently, we had up on the screen all the ministries of the church. And it's beautiful. Everyone has something to do for the Lord. And we should. The Apostle Paul, though, had to encourage a young brother to serve the Lord more because in Colossians 4.17, he's addressing the church at Colossae. And he says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry you have received from the Lord that you may fulfill it. Could it be that Archippus had gotten a little off track? Had he taken his focus off his ministry a little bit? He says, tell him to fulfill it. Tell him to finish it. Tell him to keep going. So many times you say, well, I've gotten to the point in my life now, I'm older now, and let some of the younger ones take over. Let them do it. No. If God has given you a ministry, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Bill McDonald said, we're immortal until... Our work on earth is done. So if you want to live a long life, keep serving. Keep serving because as we're functioning for the Lord and we're useful to the Lord and we're fruitful to the Lord, he's going to keep us going. He gives us the health. He gives us the strength. He gives us the ability. Let's keep going. Let's keep serving him every single day. He's the master. But you know, we can't serve with an attitude of double-mindedness. Half for the world, half for Christ. It doesn't work. We can't serve the Lord without having a 100% commitment 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be committed. We have to be committed to him. And we're committed to him. We will serve him. And we will serve him always, every step of the way. Secondly, we have to be faithful. Now, it's one thing to be committed because a committed person says, I'm all in. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to Christ. I'm committed to the ministry. I'm committed to serving him. But there's a little bit more. There's another step. There's another point. Being faithful. Doing it day after day. Week after week. Month after month. And year after year. It's kind of neat when you look up on that board and you see your name for that ministry and it's been there for a year. Or it's been there for two years or five years or ten years or twenty years. You're still doing that ministry. You're still involved in it. You're still toiling in it. You're still thankful for it. You're still proud of that ministry as big or as small as it may be. And we should take our ministries seriously and really take them as from the Lord. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. One be found faithful. If the Lord looked out on this audience today and he looked into our hearts and he looked into our lives and he saw not just what we do on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Monday night or whatever day it is, but he sees it through the whole week, Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and he looks at our life, is he going to see a life of faithfulness? Or is he going to see a life of inconsistency? No, we don't want that. We want to be faithful. And you know, God is more concerned about our availability than he is about our ability. He says, I can give you the ability, but you have to be available. You have to be willing. You have to take that that responsibility on and do it. In Proverbs 20 and verse 6, it says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful man? I thank God we have a lot of faithful men in our church. I have thank God we have a lot of faithful women in our church. And I thank God we have faithful kids in our church. It's great. It's amazing. And we face obstacles and we face difficulties and we face trials. And there are some people that serve the Lord. And then when the Lord brings some kind of difficulty or as our brother uh, Don Tinder was saying, even disasters into our life, it can affect us. And we can say, well, I can't do it. I can't function anymore. The Lord knows what we go through and it is hard, but he gives us the grace. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keep going. Keep serving me. Don't allow the devil to wedge anything in between and keep you from your mission. Yes, faithfulness is very rare today. It's rare. I love the story of the, of the geysers. You know, if you ever see them, they go way up into the air and it's beautiful and it's, it's great. Well, they have a geyser that's the most famous and the most popular geyser. It's called Old Faithful. And I like that. Its name is, is really what it's all about. And it's not the biggest, and it doesn't shoot the highest in the air. And it's, it's by far not the largest, but you know what? It's the most faithful and dependable. And that's why people love it, because they know that they can set their watch by it. They know that they can look at that faithful guy, okay, it's going to go off. Three, two, one, there it did it. 
Are our lives like that? Can people count on us like that? Can they say, I know if Dean says he's going to be here, he's going to be here. If Alex says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. If Lorraine promises it, she's going to come through. The Lord wants us to be committed. And he wants us to be committed servants. And he wants us to be faithful servants. And so that at the end of the journey, we can say, Lord, I finished my course. I finished the race. I fought the good fight. I made it. I've got through it. Someone really said it well when they said that nothing in life can take the place of faithfulness and dependability. It is one of the greatest virtues. Brilliance, genius, and competence are all subservient to the quality of of faithfulness. And I thank God for that. You know, if you ever watch these runners that run the Boston Marathon, Beta Breakers, Devil Mountain Run, whatever it is, you know, races have never been won at the start, but they have been lost. And the way they've been lost is by the person who didn't show up. The person that didn't start the race can never win the race. And races have been lost in the middle when people have quit, when they felt it was too much and they stopped. They can't win. But if you start and you run well and then you come and you finish, you can be a winner. And the Lord says you can be a winner for me. So we need to be committed and we need to be faithful. And the third thing is we need to be obedient. The Lord wants us to be obedient. Some people don't like to talk about the subject of obedience. Don't talk about it because that reminds me of authority. And then when I think about obedience and when I think about people being an authority over me, then that starts making me sweat and it starts making me nervous. I don't like people telling me what to do. I don't like people uh, watching over my shoulder and micromanaging me. But thank God the Lord doesn't do that with us. He loves us. He says, serve me, serve me. And he's not going to pressure us. But he wants us to serve him with commitment. He wants us to serve him with faithfulness. And he wants us to serve him with obedience. And doesn't he deserve our obedience? He really does. After what he's done for us, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. You know, the the fact of the matter is, when the Lord Jesus started his earthly ministry, what was the first miracle he did? Who, Who knows the first miracle the Lord performed, the first sign Other than Sylvia, right? We'll give others a chance first. The first one, John chapter 2. I'm giving you hints. John chapter 2. Laura. Yes. The wedding at the Cana of Galilee. And the Lord Jesus was there. His disciples were there. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And all of a sudden, they ran out of wine. And that was like a disaster in those days. Because here they're having this great party. They're celebrating for the new couple. And to run out of wine is like... Terrible. It's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it's interesting that Mary comes to the Lord Jesus and she says they're out of wine. And he says, what, what do I have to do with this situation? My time has not yet come. And, and so she didn't let that discourage her. She went and told the servants and she said in John chapter 2 and verse 5, whatever he says to you, do it. Now that is one of the most beautiful verses in scripture. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, these servants, they could have said, I don't know, why, we're, why are we filling up these, these water pots? And they were huge water pots. They'd hold like 30 gallons each. It was amazing. And so it says, though, in John chapter 2 and verse 7, and they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the brim. These servants, they could have said, well, we'll put some water in them. We'll fill them up, but 
They said, not only are we going to fill them, we're going to fill them to the brim. And that really convicted me and really challenged me when I thought of that. Do I fill my service for the Lord up just enough or do I fill it to the brim? Do I fill it to the brim? Do I give my all? Do I put everything into it? Because the Lord rewards obedience. He really does. Not partial obedience, but full obedience to him. That's what counts. You know, the Bible says no man can serve two masters. You can't serve the Lord and you can't serve money. You can't serve the Lord and you can't serve the world. And so there's a choice we have to make. Service is a choice. Just like Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's a decision that we have to make. Do you know who the most obedient servant was in all the Bible? The most obedient servant was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was. He came from the Father. He did the Father's will completely. He died on the cross. He rose again and he went back to the Father. And it's so amazing. And when the Lord Jesus was speaking to the to his disciples and the people in those days in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, he said this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He served the Father all the way. And recently I was reading in the Gospel of John, that's where I'm reading now, and I was in the 13th chapter. And I read again that story of the Lord washing the feet of the disciples. And every time I read it, it doesn't cease to amaze me that the Lord of glory, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, our great King and our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, without saying a word to anybody, they're all sitting there. And he went and he got a towel and he got a a water and put it in a bowl and he got down on his hands and his knees and he washed their feet, their dirty feet of 12 disciples and he washed them. And he said, do you know what I, what you do, what I do now, you don't know now, but you're going to know hereafter. And he taught them a lesson. He taught them a lesson that they never forgot. That the most important thing we can do is to serve the Lord. He said, the greatest among you is he who serves. And so when the Lord got down and he did that, he gave them an example. Now, we don't have foot washings nowadays. It's not part of it. That was part of their culture. But service is always in vogue Service is always needed and there's always a mission to do for the Lord. It's amazing what he did for us. In Hebrews chapter five and verse eight, there's another one of those wow verses that you just stops you in in amazement. It says in Hebrews five, eight about our Lord and his obedience. It says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. I thought, wow. Because you read a verse, first of all, and you think, well, what did Jesus have to learn? He's God. What did he have to learn? In his humanity, in his humanity, he learned to obey the Father. And he learned to go all the way to the cross and die for us. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Yes, commitment says, I'm all in. Faithfulness says, I'm all in and I'm in all all the way every day, faithfully. And obedience says, I'm all in, I'm in every day, and I'm going to do whatever the Lord tells me to do. That is what it's all about, to be a servant. 
I read that story again recently. I may have shared it quite a few years ago, but Roger Staubach is considered one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. He graduated from the Naval Academy. And when you graduate from the Naval Academy, and so did David Robinson, the basketball player, you don't just go like right into the NFL. You have to serve your country in the, in the armed forces. You have to serve. They were both in the Navy and they both served their country. And then they went into the NFL. So when Roger Staubach went into the NFL, he was a little older than the average rookie. So he felt he maybe was a little more mature and he should be able to handle this, right? And so he was a little perturbed when Coach Tom Landry, who was a Hall of Fame coach and he a Christian, and, Tom, and Roger Staubach is also a Christian, but Roger was a little disturbed because he looked at the other quarterbacks in the NFL and they were all calling their own plays and directing the team and everything. And he says, Coach Landry doesn't let me do that. He doesn't let me call the plays. He doesn't let me direct the team. He sends in the play. He tells me what to run and I have to run his play and I can't change it or anything. And he says, finally, I got to the place in my life where I realized that Coach knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And when he realized that he had to humble himself and learn to accept the authority of the coach, then he found harmony, he found fulfillment, and he found victory. And we know that Roger Staubach led his cowboy team to Super Bowl championship. He had a great career. He had a great relationship with his coach. And it all started when the player realized, I don't know it all. I can't do it on my own. The Lord Jesus Christ is our coach. He calls the plays. I just run them. He makes the decisions. I just follow them. As soon as we take ourselves off that throne and let the Lord have his way, there will be fulfillment. There will be happiness. There will be joy. There will be peace in our life. But as long as we're fighting it and thinking, I can make these decisions. I can do this. I can do that. That's when we fail. So may the Lord help us today to remember these three key traits of a, of a servant. A servant is committed all the way, 100%. A servant is faithful, faithful every day, faithful in his ministry, faithful in his life. You can look at that person and say, that person's dependable. That person can be counted on. And thirdly, to be an obedient servant where people can say, wow, that person obeys the Lord. That person's a true Christian because they do what God wants them to. To do. They don't impose their own will on people, but they seek God's will. And may the Lord encourage us that no matter what happens to us in life, no matter what achievements we get or accolades we receive, the best thing that we can do is to serve the Lord and know that he will be pleased and others will be blessed. Shall we just close in prayer? Father, we thank you for the privilege of serving you. It's an honor. It's a blessing. And we pray, Lord, that you'll encourage our hearts to serve you more. Because even if we're serving now, we can serve more. We can be more committed. We can be more faithful. We can be more obedient. And Lord, we haven't arrived. We don't know it all. We need your help. We need your guidance, your direction. Please help us to be good servants, Lord, and to give you our all every day of our lives. We just thank you now and praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen.